returned to the National Children's Hospital. Just 27 rooms ready. A cost now projected to run up to the €2 billion euro mark and possibly beyond. And an opening date pushed out even further now and expected to come in at March 2025. Maybe. The National Children's Hospital is never far away from controversy and the latest costings and progress report have brought new focus on where this ambitious project has gone and is continuing to go wrong. David Cullinan, to you first on this. From contacts you've had and information you can glean, what's your sense? Give us a date that you think the National Children's Hospital will actually be ready by. I think the problem is that nobody can give any date with certainty. So the people who should be able to give us a date are obviously the board who are overseeing the development of the hospital and the Minister for Health. And clearly every date we've been given so far has been missed. Part of the problem here is that we don't have a compliant works programme and we don't have a realistic date either from the board or from the main contractor. And what the board were saying to the Oireachtas Health Committee uh, this week was that the biggest driver of additional costs is delay. So for every week, month and year that this project is delayed, it's costing more money. And I think what's really, really bizarre is that we have a request now coming from the board to the HSE, which has to be signed off on by Cabinet for what we understand to be hundreds of millions of euro of more money to ensure this hospital can be built. And I want the hospital to be built for the children who need it. But while those checks are being sought and while that money is being sought, we have absolutely no certainty in relation to the completion date. We also had what I can only describe as open warfare between the main contractor and the board. The board are essentially saying that the contractor is on a go slow, is not providing the capacity. The contractor rejects that. The contractor, yes, but the board is saying that the the contractor is not providing the feet on the ground essentially to complete the project. The contractor is saying that there is multiple design changes, thousands of design changes which have delayed the project. We have he said, she said. The Minister for Health is the one who has ultimate responsibility, in my view, has to get off the sidelines. I've said this directly to him. He has to bang heads together. What do you mean get and off the sidelines and bang heads together? Because the option was built into this contract to change contractor. In fact, the main contractor, BAM, have said, look, if you want to get rid of us, you can get rid of us. I mean, what is your solution to it? What does banging heads together mean? Well, you can't have a situation where you have a government that's signing checks without any guarantees. So if I was in the minister's shoes, I would be saying that I want to know what additional costs are going to be incurred, but I also want a, a programme of works that we can have confidence in that's realistic because every date we've been given so far has not been realistic. The board obviously have a responsibility. The contractors absolutely have a responsibility and they need to be called out as well. But the minister needs to be the one that makes sure that once and for all we actually have a completion date that can be met. Because in the the absence of that, Colm, in the absence of that, uh, the alternative is that we have a minister and a government and a cabinet that keep signing checks time and again without any guarantees of when this hospital will be open. We were told in the Dáil two weeks ago that the opening date would be the end of 2024. It's now going to be early 25. I don't have any confidence that date will be met either. So the problem is nobody, nobody from the board, the contractor or government can tell us what this will cost and when it will be open. So Uh, how is that a good place for us to be in? Duncan Smith, outside consultants were brought in, in, uh, they published a report, PwC, in 2019. Mm. And they said the establishment of a hard timeline 
on a flawed budget is part of the reason that we were having the debate we had. The initial uh, figure that was floated as a budget for this hospital was around 750 million. That was upped to almost a billion as a guaranteed maximum price. But PwC concluded that was never a realistic price. Yeah, they did. And Alan Kelly, who when he was our health spokesperson in 2019, did say that this could top 2 billion. Back then, we're four years on, and he is unfortunately being proved to be true or uh, be correct in, in in where we're going. I think the contractor have had too much power in this. Um, we've had poor governance, we've had poor leadership, but for a contractor to say, oh, sure, you could change contractors, sure. If anyone's ever got an added conversion or an extension, uh, once, once they start, it's very hard to change. Now, you take that to a project of this size, uh, it's not realistic to say that you can change a contractor. So, unfortunately, the state are stuck. But, the, but just, just to be clear, the contractor is building what they're being told to be, uh, yeah, what they're told to be. This project began where the design wasn't complete. So, when changes are made to the design, that contractor has to flag up concerns and flag up claims for delays caused by by the changes to design. Indeed, and we don't have the we don't, as politicians don't have enough visibility over what the amount of design changes that the contractor says are being presented to them. But what I'm saying is the contractor, once they start, they're not going to be coming off site uh, and uh, to be adding costs of 756 billion, which is over, which is over million. half. A million, sorry, which is over half of what the original projection was, is absolutely astronomical, and that, despite multiple health right, committees it, on it, is, is is something that hasn't been explained. Okay, so the the PwC report concluded that one billion wasn't a realistic guaranteed maximum price. They said maybe one point four billion was something more realistic, but they said that there was another three hundred million which should be added on top of that. That's a total of one point seven billion in 2019. Since then, construction inflation has gone up by 20%, which brings us around the 2 billion ball figure, ballpark figure. Is it so astronomical? Is it such a bad estimate to say 2 point or 2 point whatever billion as an accurate figure for what it would cost for a project of this size, given the circumstances that pertain at the moment? Well, I think it certainly feels like that to the public and to uh, politicians, uh, because we're not getting the answers that uh, at health committee or any of the other committees that we need in relation to this. It feels like this project has just kind of spun, uh, and we're not getting the answers that we require in terms as to why it's gone up this high. What we do need, we have to build three maternity hospitals, we have to build elective hospitals, we have to build more than just the National Children's Hospital. So what we need is probably an Oireachtas investigation as to was this set up correctly? Is were the governance uh, procedures correct? Probably not to ensure that this doesn't happen again. But we need to get this project delivered. And as, as David has said, and probably the minister will probably say after me, we can't guarantee that this is going to be delivered right. by spring Robert, 2025. The con- from the very outset, the conception of this project, according to the PwC report, which I haven't heard anybody dispute to date, they said the the the, the assumptions on which the original budgeting were made were flawed, and the sums of money allocated to it were based on those flawed assumptions. And when I heard Minister Donnelly interviewed yesterday, he said his position when he was in opposition in 2018-2019, when the figure was 1.433 billion, which comes from the W and PwC, the PwC report, he he still stands by that. And he said, but at the moment we have to let um, the board uh, and um, the the, the builder, there's a process where they negotiate the various increases on it. That's what's ongoing at this moment in time. Uh, And we have to let that process go through. Like over 80% of the work has been completed to date. This time last year, I went out and visited. I visited because I made commentary in relation to could they not have included um, some solar measures so they could have more heat efficiency. I had to go out and see the building. Uh, And at that stage, I was being with Ailish Hardman and BAM were present as well and they were telling me um, uh, November 2024. Um, So 
this time... Ailey Shardy, my chair of the board. Absolutely, yes. She was telling me... CHI. Um, she was telling me November 2024. So there's a time when the builders hand it over to, to, to the board and then there's a time then for commissioning and everything else. Oh, all right. So, so if those processes are going to be allowed to run their course, why is the minister making comments in public to say that the next time procurement projects are projects are being procured like the likes of which Duncan Smith was talking about there that the track record of the contractor would be checked against I mean is there an implicit an attempt to implicitly criticise the contractor in this and is the minister taking sides in this No I, I don't think so because he said without prejudice when he when he said that straight away but I, but I'd be honest with you I was involved in the building uh, of a community child care group before and the procurement rules are very clearly set out it has to be the lowest um, tender that you actually use to, to me as far as I'm concerned there has to be value for money as well. There has to be previous um, record that you can actually go to a previous project that they have built on and you should be able to reference back to them. All right. Deirdre Lyon is a barrister specialising uh, in construction law and she joins me now. Going back to that PwC report, Deirdre Lyon, and one of the criticisms in it is that there was insufficient weighting given to the amount of risk the contractor was to take on. In other words, the harder you try and guarantee a maximum price, the more implied risk there is going to be on the contractor. And they're going to want more money to take on that risk. Uh, yes. Hello, Colm. Uh, and, and hello to the panel. And thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, when people you know, involved in the industry, myself, look on projects from the outside, uh, it is very interesting to see that there are really consistent themes in why large projects go the way they do and very consistent themes would be cost overrun and delay they're pretty much invariable and if you have a large project that is delivered on budget and on time it is it is almost the exception rather than the rule so uh one you know one of the big projects internationally that people will often point to is the construction of Heathrow terminal five which is uh it was done in a very innovative way and the employer kept a lot of the risk instead of trying to impose it on the contractor and the supply chain that is held up as a kind of success story because it came in on time and on budget and afterwards the British Airport Authority said if we had gone about it the traditional way we would have been a year and a half late we would have been 15% over budget it is very very common um, and you know to put these types of projects in context the Scottish Parliament about 20 years ago it started out with a budget of 55 million it ended up with an outturn of 400 million and it was three years late at the Sydney Opera House uh, I don't think anyone would doubt that, that was a successful project 10 years late 15 times over budget um, and I suppose people have to remember there's a complexity to procuring projects like this so you might be thinking this is a building. But if you imagine there's been some talk this week about whether RTE would move out of Montrose. If you wanted to build a new studio on a Greenfield site or in a city centre site, you are not talking just about buildings. We're talking about the studios, the facilities. A brief would be developed for that to inform the design, to inform the tender process. But what, what would happen if partway through that process, somebody realised well, now, actually, the studios need to be bigger. We need more seating for the live studio audience. We need to be able to bring our performers in from outside on certain events like the day of the toy show. All of those types of user requirements need to be fed into these types of buildings. So it is much more complicated than building, you know, just a building where you, you will just have fit right. out of go, furniture, go, for example. Go, going this back like to your example there of, of, the, of the Heathrow situation where... 
the employer, namely, I suppose, the, the government bore most of the risk and, and, and the, the project advanced. Is, do you rectify those problems then at the procurement stage? I mean, is the, the, is the tendency to go for the lowest bidder, I suppose, a problem at the procurement stage? It suggests that the experience of those types of projects suggests that there are other ways of tendering that don't involve trying to pass all of the risk across to the contractor. Um, and, you know, governments and, and, and large uh, buyers are, are well aware of this. Uh, so there's all of these different types of methods that are attempted with these big projects to try and manage the risk in the most effective way so that the person buying or, or you know, commissioning the building is not uh, paying too much for risks that might not happen. And that was the big decision made in relation to the procurement of, of T5, that they decided, rather than paying for all this risk, we would rather pay for innovation, we would rather pay for getting people to put their best foot forward in the best way they can and organise all the works packages differently. It was really innovative, but I think they regarded it as the only way that they could really procure this without huge cost, risk and overrun, which... Uh, they the, would have expected in, just in briefly, procuring a project at the that The issue time. of claims, so Deirdre Lee Lyon, be surprised. the yeah. issue of claims yeah. and, and claims being raised, it, it's come up a lot in association with the National Children's Hospital project, people talking about the number of claims, thousands of claims that have been uh, that, that, that have been raised. Just, it's, it sounds like something very worrying when it's being discussed, but what is it in fact? Construction contracts are not the same as contracts for the purchases of goods or even purchase of a building that already exists. They're dynamic contracts. They're designed for change. And there's lots of reasons why claims could be made. And a big reason is often that uh, the employer's requirements may change. The design may have to change for a variety of reasons. Sometimes because, you know, a use case is better understood as the design uh, goes on. Sometimes it's because there's something about the site which means that there has to be a change in the scope of the contract. Because every project, it's not like buying a car, every project is kind of unique because mm-hmm. even if the design has been done before, it's never been built in that place before with all of the constraints and, uh, and features of that particular site. So claims are, are really just part of the construction process that recognises that it's a process that takes place over a number of years and that the underlying circumstances of the project are going to change for various reasons over the course of that number of years. That's what gives rise to claims. Claims are inevitable in a sense if you have a dynamic contract like that. It's designed for change. It's supposed to change. So yes, it, it, it does... It does generate, it, it does seem like a bit of a buzzword, but, but that is how these contracts are designed to work. Okay. Dear Journey Line, Barrister specialising in construction law. Many thanks to you and apologize, apologies uh, for some of the breakup on the line there. Uh, David Cullinan, maybe delays if, they're, if they genuinely go towards the long-term rectification of problems are a good thing. They allow for the design changes. Is it worth waiting and getting it right rather than establishing an artificial timeline and finding more expensive problems further down the line which then have to be rectified? Well, if we don't understand the extent of the problem, then I'm afraid the taxpayer is going to pay hundreds of millions more on top of what is already being sought. We have a board that has a responsibility for delivering this project. The board needs a completion date, a compliant programme of works. And how that works is that the contractors will say, we can deliver the project 
at whatever time frame that is and here's how we're going to do it. And the, the contractor board are, says the they'll, board, they'll deliver a programme of work with respect, next week. With respect, the board who have a statutory responsibility for delivering this project are telling us that the contractors are underperforming in some areas by 70% and other areas by 30%. And they're also saying that delays equals costs. So if we don't realise what's happening here and don't have a government that steps in to say we can't allow that to continue. I know, but the, 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 the contractor... We're going to have the, the, the to pay more and more money. But the contractor... And, and the, children the, will have to wait longer for access to the, 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 the contractor. Capacity. The contractor rejects that. And the contractor would also, as, as you know, if you look at the contractor's record for what it's worth, the M7 Newlands Cross Junction delivered on time. Uh, the, the M11 motorway project delivered on time. School, bundles of schools delivered uh, on time. So... I mean, why, why, when the finger-pointing exercise begins between the board and the contractor, that the board is automatically believed? I can tolerate an element of cost overrun and an element of time delay. But hang on a second here now, Colm. Before the last general election, we were very close, we were told, to this hospital being built and open. We were told it was going to be open for children in 2022. And then it became 2023, then 2024, now 2025. So I'm not going to be taken for a fool by anybody, whether it's the board or the contractors. We know there right, is a So you're, you're agnostic problem. as to where the blame we, we lies know there's this, a, I think that there is responsibility on the contractors to deliver a compliant programme of works. They have to make sure there's feet on the ground to deliver the project. They the government, ultimately, the government ultimately has to make sure before it's handing over hundreds of millions of more of taxpayers' money that there is a compliant programme of works and a realistic date because at the moment every single date we've been given, column has come and has gone and children with scoliosis and spina bifida who are waiting years for access to life-changing right. surgeries need that additional capacity right. and the, need the, that hospital open. Duncan Smith, the two satellite uh, projects in... in um in in Connolly uh, and and Tala have been delivered mm-hmm. and and have been handed over, so it's not all bad, is it? No, and they've they've been welcome and have been have been successful, you know, and and, and they're good to see. So no, no one's saying it's all it's all bad, but we as politicians and as health spokespeople uh, are entitled to hold this whole process to account and if we were to accept everything that uh, Deirdre Lyons said there that this is just a, a natural uh, dynamic process that happens in all projects we wouldn't be doing our jobs whether you're in government or whether you're in opposition in terms of ensuring that this project and the taxpayers money is being paid directly and being and being delivered in the appropriate way. Our issue is well it is the he said she said as David said we're not getting the detail from either side that we can uh, that we can hold either side to account. So therefore, we need to learn from this. Uh, who who needs hosp- to give you oversight, for example, the board, of, the, of the number of design changes and the expected delay and assigned cost for that? Well, the board, should, if, if the contractor are making that charge against the board, mm-hmm. the board should, uh, the contractor should either, either give it to us or the board should give it to us. They should say, well, these are the design changes that are, that are costing this amount of money. It's, the trans- it's transparency. As we say, like we, will, we, we understand uh, inflation, we understand how the world works, but what we can't just write and sign off on checks just because this is a much needed right. project. We need value but, for but money. But we, we also do know is what the board have upheld and what they have paid to the contractor is, is the goods of 2% of the overall cost, approximately 15 million. What I said at the outset of my interview here was I was out there this time last year. I was led to believe it's November 2024. If it teeters into 
early 2025. That date hasn't changed in the 12 months. I know, the, the, I minister, the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, raised the question whether uh, David Cullinan in, in raising concerns about the level of claims that might be brought in, in, in this case might be an unwitting pawn in inflating the ultimate price uh, on behalf of, of the contractor. The Minister has declined to give an upper limit on the budget and declined to give a formal deadline. I think the minister is right, to be quite honest with you, Colm. I think that's where the, that's why there was a process put in place of how there was adjudication between the board and the builder. That process has stood well to date. It has, David, you might smirk at it, but it has stood well to date. The simple reason only that 2% of the overall of it has been held up. Like, it is a bit, like, when I was listening to Deirdre there, when I was out there and I was looking at the theatre units, like, science had changed from when it was first originally designed. On, and in yeah, actual fact, when the child is now on a theatre table, they're actually able go to the diagnostics and make another decision we, if it needs to be done. We were so previously like, given a, a total programme cost of 1.7 billion. So that was given not by me but by government. It's now going to top right. 2.2 billion. We were previously given a date, an opening date of 2022, 23, 24 and 25. So it's a bit rich for the government and for the Minister for Health to point the finger at me or Sinn Féin or anybody in opposition. Right. Get off the sidelines, do your job you're paid to do and make sure that everybody involved in this project gets it built uh, as quickly as possible. Okay, we're going to look at another issue that was dominating the headlines earlier in the week. RTE, that's coming up after this.